now. Scotland's talking. Call 0333-2020-401 and join the debate. Hello, good morning and welcome to this week's edition of Scotland's Talking. I'm Ali Bally. Coming up on the programme today is your chance to get answers to any questions you've ever had about cyber security. If you're concerned about keeping your data safe, ID theft, scams or how to protect yourself against computer viruses... Professor Karen Reynold and Dr. Natalie Cole are joining me in the studio to take your calls. They'll be here after 11 o'clock. Get your questions in now on 0333 2020 Before that, I'm going to be asking whether you would like Jeremy Corbyn to be our emergency Prime Minister. We, the Labour Party, by far the largest opposition party, have, I think, a responsibility to take over to ensure there is no cliff-edge Brexit. Mr Corbyn's asking the opposition to come together to kick out Boris Johnson and the Tory government and put him into number 10 on a temporary basis, you understand. But the Lib Dem leader, Joe Swinson, says it won't work. We are facing a national crisis. We may need an emergency government to resolve it. Surely even he can see that he cannot lead it. And is it time to ban drivers from using mobile phones at the wheel ever? Some MPs say it's too distracting. Jamie, who's a driving instructor, disagrees. A lot of your phone stuff is built into your car and actually takes away the need for you to hold your phone. We live in a modern world and that needs to be remembered. Music and conversation for a Sunday morning. I'm Ali Bally. Here's the number if you'd like to join us. 0333 2020 401. Scotland's Talking, the podcast. But I want to start off today and ask you this question. Do you want Jeremy Corbyn as your emergency prime minister? The Labour leader is trying to unite the opposition and tempt rebel Tory MPs to support him in a motion of no confidence against Boris Johnson's government with the idea that it would end up with him moving into number 10 Downing Street instead. How it'll work is this, that I hope that they will all support the motion of no confidence that I will put, and that will ensure that this government then cannot continue with this headlong pursuit of a no-deal Brexit, and that would mean a caretaker government led by Labour, which would be a government in order to prevent a no-deal Brexit and bring about a general election so the people of this country can decide their future. Under all normal parliamentary processes in Britain, the leader of the opposition takes over when the government collapses. And so that seems to me absolutely in line with all the norms of the unwritten British constitution. We, the Labour Party, by far the largest opposition party, have, I think, a responsibility to take over to ensure there is no cliff-edge Brexit. But the new leader of the Lib Dems, Joe Swinson, says she thinks Mr Corbyn's plan is nonsense. Boris Johnson is playing at being Prime Minister. He is playing with fire, playing with our jobs, our climate, our well-being, our security. Just what will he say to the father who has just lost his job because of New Deal Brexit? Telling him to cheer up in Latin just won't wash. Boris Johnson, stop playing with our country's future. I believe the best way to prevent no deal is to request an extension of Article 50 for the purpose of holding a people's vote so the public can have the final say on the Brexit deal. The SNP leader at Westminster, Ian Blackford, says it's time to put personalities to one side. I think we've got to recognise that we have got a few short weeks before we crash out. And I would say to everybody, and I would say to Joe with respect, that all of us have got to get round the table. We've got to see what unites us, and we have to accept our responsibilities. Because if we don't unite, if we don't get this right, then people right throughout the United Kingdom are going to be losing their jobs. And let's not forget that the government itself has told us that there's a potential threat to food supplies, there is a threat to the supply of medicines. We have an obligation 
to do the right thing to come together. And obviously, specifically for people in Scotland, the SNP have got that responsibility of protecting the interests of the people of Scotland. But we will work collectively to make sure that we don't crash out. And all of us have got to be able to get round the table and have got to commit to work together in order that we stop Boris Johnson taking us out. That is the priority. Probably helps that Jeremy Corbyn has hinted that he wouldn't stand in the way of the second independence referendum, which, of course, we're discussing on Scotland's Talking last week. The government, remember, has the majority of one, and that's only thanks to the votes of the DUP. So if the opposition parties could get themselves together, it won't need many rebel Tory MPs to bring down Boris. Joe Swinson suggested Ken Clark or Harriet Harman would be more acceptable as a stopgap Prime Minister. So, is Jeremy Corbyn the right man? Is his plan doomed to failure? Have we given our current Prime Minister enough time to try and sort it out? What do you think? 033-2020-401 is the number. If you fancy texting, that's fine. 61054, start your message with Ali, is the text. And email ali at thegreatesthits.co.uk. And you'll also get me on the Ali Valley Show Facebook page as well. So there's various ways that you can comment, but I'd love you to come on. Come on the phones and tell us your thoughts. That would be absolutely great. That number again, 033-2020-401. Do you think it's likely to happen? Is Jeremy Corbyn the right person to be leading the country? If that did happen, that would be the third Prime Minister within a couple of months. I mean, what are we telling the rest of the world? Good grief. Uh, Joseph, good morning. Good morning, Ali. A nice, cool, wet Sunday morning. <laughs> cool, wet, windy, breezy. Aye. I know, I know. Right, come on then. Ali. Is, is the wind of change blowing through the Labour Party? Is Jeremy about to take over number 10 Downing Street? Well, I'm going to say that the word, Ali, a time bomb ticking is Mr Corbyn. I wouldn't like to see that man in number 10 because it would ruin the country. These are unelected people, Ali. The people of Britain voted, Ali. And no wonder a lot of people don't turn up at the voting stations anymore because the politicians are not listening to the people, Ali. They're just doing it on themselves. I'm going to be a big chief in charge of 10, number 10 down the street and then forget about the people. It's them that voted them in, Ali. And they should listen to the people of Britain to see what they want, not what they want, but the people of Britain won't, Ali. It's a, a total disaster, Ali. We're not getting anywhere with us in, in, in door fighting. It's going round in circles. Ali, we're not getting anywhere. It's no. terrible. And it's a most modern country in the world, one of the top countries in the world, Ali, and we're going through all this riffraff with them. So what would you do then? What would, what would you have been? Put it back to the people, Ali. Have a vote. Vote who you want, and, and that's the thing solved. And then the people, people. Do you, Britain, do you think it would really would be solved, though, Joseph? I'm not saying that they, they, they solved the, the problem. What I mean, it, it would stop all this inter thing fighting, Ali, amongst ourselves. They're not even interested in the people, but they're not even asking us, Ali. They're, they're doing it off their own backs, Ali, and forgetting about us. You know what I mean? The people they should be looking up to. Right, but again, if if you need some party, who, if you're saying put it back to the people, you 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 need a party to do that. So. You would need a party to call a general election. Then. That's what I mean, Ali, because it's just going out of hand. But that's what, that's what Corbyn says he would do. Aye, but the point is, I wouldn't like to see him in because uh, I don't like his attitude. Because if it was him, he'd have every terrorist in the world living in this country. He'd not get anything done. He'd have every, he'd, I think he would actually have everybody out uh, on strikes, Ali. That's the type of man he is. He's a communist in and out, you know. But if, if he came in as emergency prime minister... And he has gone in there with the the mandate that he said that he will call a general election. Then you don't have to vote for him, do you? No, no, you don't have to vote for him. But this, this is this is Alice. You over the, the few years now, but it was, our system seemed to be democracy seemed to be going down into a big hole, and it's going to be covered up, and no, nobody in Britain will be able to do their do their voting because they're getting sick of it. Okay, now, right, right. Just Joseph, just stop for a second and think here. You said democracy back to the people. The people voted to come out of Europe. Mm. Bor- Boris is working towards that no matter what happens. He says we're coming out of Europe at the end of October. So he's, yeah. he's doing the job that you asked him. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying, Ali. We, we, we want somebody to speak up instead of stabbing him in the back all the time, Ali. Let the man go on with the job and see what happens when it comes to 31st October. And then they can start 
wheeling and dealing what they want to do. Don't do it in our alley where the man's trying to do something. I believe in that. Let the person go there, do his work, and then if he doesn't do it right, fair enough. Okay, Joseph, thank you. Good to hear from you as always. Uh, let's see what we've got here coming in already. Um, Ali, I'm a Labour voter all of my life and would never vote for Corbyn Abbott. Hope Boris Johnson gets us a no-deal Brexit and uh, would never vote for Independence Scotland. Keep up the good work. OK, thank you very much indeed. It's all about opinions. You can have yours. I'll just read them out and tell you them as they're coming in and, and chat to people on the phones as well. So don't sit there shouting at the radio. Let me know what you think. Do you think it's a good idea that Jeremy Corbyn has come up with? He's saying he's going to call for a no-confidence vote, and that then would, if that went through, he would install himself into number 10 as the new Prime Minister and then would call general election. What do you think? Archie says, excuse me, throat's going again. Um, Archie says here, uh, no, no, no. Never mind John Lennon's give peace a chance. Give Boris a chance. Let them get it sorted out. There's another one on Boris's side. Irene says, What rubbish! Running out of food and medicines is just scaremongering. I'm still supporting Boris Johnson 100%. Irene, it's not us that are saying this. This is coming out of the Conservative think tank. It's them that are saying we, we could be running out of food and medicines. So, you know, is it scaremongering? We don't know. You know, just, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, I've voted Labour all my life. I'm 64. And sorry, Jeremy, Jeremy, Prime Minister, I think no, no, no. Thank you very much indeed. That's from Gregor. Uh, John, good morning. Good morning, Ali. How are you, my I'm friend? I'm good. I'm good. Your thoughts, please. Oh, I have never seen such a shambles in all my life. The Conservative Party have been in. They've changed the Prime Ministers. They've messed about. They've made a complete and utter shambles of the whole thing, and yet we're still sitting here saying, give them a chance. If that had been any person in any other job alley, they would have been sacked. They would have been moved. But no, no in government. Now, we were, to, we were told, we voted to leave the EU on the 27th. That was democracy. That was what should have happened. Is that, ble- is that bleeping noise coming at your end? Because if it's coming at mine, yes, I'm panicking. I'm, <laughs> I'm not. It's coming at my end and I've stopped it. Thank you. I thought, um, what the hang is that? Right, OK, on you go. <laughs> um, so it's a complete and utter shambles. They've had all the chances they can get. Everybody's saying, oh, Jeremy Corbyn can't do this, Jeremy Corbyn can't do that. At least give him a chance. Because we've given the Conservatives a chance. And let me remind you that they're all shouting and bawling about put it back to the people, give the people the vote again. We've already voted, and if we give it back to the people for another vote, why don't we give it back to the people for another vote for independence? It's the same thing. A vote's a vote, and if you don't listen to the people first because they don't give you the right, the right answer, Oh, we'll put it back and hope that we get the right one. This time, Ali, it's a shambles. And all this scaremongering, I'm quite sure that we would survive quite easily with food and medicines and all the rest there. Because let's remember, the EU need us as much as we need them. Everybody seems to forget this. If they want to follow it with us, we give them just as much as they give us, if not more. So, getting back to the question, never mind. I'm glad you got that off your chest now. You'll feel better for the rest of the day, John. The yes, que- I will. my customers will be safe now. They'll Absolutely, take take it out in us. Never mind your taxi fares. So, yes. the question is: Do you want Jeremy Corbyn as your emergency prime minister? I know this is going to be hard for you, John, but just answer yes or no. Yes. Thank you very much indeed for your call. You're listening to Scotland's Talkin', the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talkin'. So the question we're asking at the moment, do you want Jeremy Corbyn as your emergency prime minister? Uh, Labour leaders trying to unite the opposition to tempt rebel MPs, Tory MPs, to support him in a motion of no confidence. Uh, Phil says, Corbyn in Downing Street would be like putting Dracula in charge of a blood bank. 
or Fagan running the Bank of England. Don't forget, when Corbyn became Labour leader, he caused a mass walkout of his own front bench. Says it all. We already have one clown in number 10. We don't need another. So what do we do then, Phil? Uh, here's one from Tricia. It says, uh, definitely out with Germany, uh, Jeremy and definitely in with Boris. Okay, uh, Liz says here, Ali, good morning. What a complete shambles we're in at the moment with this situation. To let Jeremy, Jeremy Corbyn be standing, we haven't let Boris prove himself yet. Let's hope he makes the right decision as to the way forward. Okay, um, keep those thoughts coming in about Jeremy Corbyn taking over as an emergency prime minister. Your thoughts, 0333 2020 you can text 61054, start your message with Ali. And, of course, we're on Scotland's hashtag Scotland's Talking if you're tweeting as well. Would you support a total ban on drivers using mobile phones, even when it's hands-free? What do you think of that? Think about it, a total ban, right? So you wouldn't be able to touch the phone at all. Um, it's, it's something that's being suggested um, because it's been over 15 years since the law changed, making it illegal to be on a call while holding a phone in your hands. But you are allowed to use a hands-free kit, and nearly all modern cars have Bluetooth and controls on the steering wheel. Now, a report by MPs says any kind of phone call when you're driving is just as distracting as if you're on the drink-drive limit. But surely there are distractions anyway when you're driving. That's all part of being a good driver. Handle the distractions. Jimmy Sheriff is the chairman of the Drivers Instructors Scottish Council and he's been giving us his reaction. Uh, he's been speaking to Kerry Ann Doherty for Scotland's Talking. Some of the small chats that I've had, I've found that the, the, it's mixed feelings is probably the best way to describe it. A lot of people are saying that sat-navs uh, that speak, people talking in the car, loud music, are also very valid distractions. If you were to ban it, what's going to happen thereafter? Um, it, does it just then lead to more problems? I think at the end of the day, more enforcement for people holding their phones and using them in a more unsafe way uh, is something that needs to be looked at more. Technology like Apple CarPlay and Android Auto, where a lot of your um, phone stuff is built into your car uh, and actually takes away the need for you to hold your phone, um, is technology that's worth pursuing. Uh, we live in a modern world uh, and that needs to be remembered. Do you think MPs should be worrying about other dangers on the roads rather than just um, using your mobile while hands-free? Um, and also, do you think it'll be quite a tough thing to crack down on? In regards to other dangers, uh, yeah, they definitely should be looking at other factors that, that come into place on the roads. Um, you know, even things like uh, uh, bright video signs inside the roads, uh, people vaping uh, and their clouds coming out the cars. Uh, there's there's lots of other hazards on the roads. A lot of people don't realise that actually just holding their mobile phone in the car is actually a serious offence. Mm. Jamie Sheriff there, um, I, I, I liked his comment, we live in a modern world, and, and that's true. But the, we're, we're sitting with legislation here that sometimes you're not quite sure of the, the, the law and where it stands. And, and I was reading about um, uh, a gentleman I mentioned earlier uh, that his phone was in a cradle on the dashboard. It dropped out of the cradle onto the floor. When he stopped at traffic lights and he was using it for sat-nav, I don't like using my phone for a sat-nav, I have to admit. Uh, I, I don't like that at all. But um, he was. So, which meant him looking and listening to what is coming out there. So he lifted the phone off the floor, it was in the footwell, to put it back in the cradle. But before he put it back in the cradle, he looked at the sat-nav. And that was where he broke the law. It's not illegal, as far as I understand. Jamie sort of said differently there. I must get that clarified. It's not illegal to hold a phone. It is illegal to read what's on the phone. And that was what that gentleman I'm talking about did because the police were uh, watching him as he was sitting at the traffic lights. He picked it up and he looked at it and read it while the traffic lights were sitting at red. And that was him, the court said, breaking law. He didn't break the law by picking it up. 
he broke the law by reading it. So, you know, maybe time to look at the laws again, but do we need to ban them altogether? Stephen, good morning. Good morning, Ali. How are you today? Um, fine Scottish weather. Yeah, it's lovely, isn't it? Great. It's beautiful. Great weather to sit here in the rain, enjoying it. I enjoy the rain, Ali. I like it. So do I, actually. I was at a wedding yesterday in a marquee where the rain was absolutely thundering down outside. But it was nice. It was, we were inside, so it was okay. It was all right. It kept everybody, the, the marquee and the rain kept everybody together and everybody enjoyed themselves. That's right. So even more often the weddings. The bride and groom went away for a walk in the rain, though, to get some photographs taken with umbrellas. They were mad. Absolutely oh, mad. Lovely. Well, Mary Poppins, eh? They're lovely. Absol- uh, that's it. That's it. Mary Poppins. That describes Poppins. it. Right. Okay. So, what do you think of these phones then? Well, two things there. I listened to Jamie. He says, We're my modern world. I mean, a modern, a, modern, a modern world. And secondly, how did we all manage before sat navs? Folk are using sat navs to get in the corner, are we? It's a, it's, we're getting lazy in society. And I would just wish people, like your listeners, tell me going to buses and look out the window, Ali, but traffic lights, junctions, and look at the car beside them. Folk are texting away like wee beavers and all that, on that phone, on that phone. They don't need to go on these phones, Ali. It's nonsense. And if I was a government, oh, it was Jeremy Corbyn or Boris Johnson, I don't care who's in there, I would go down the same route as the drink driving. An automatic ban. See this points and penalty and fines. It's no a deterrent. I would just scrap that. An automatic, an automatic ban for what, Stephen? For using your phone in your car. No phones. No, nothing. Not even a hands-free. Nothing whatsoever. And you will get distractions, children. There's always things like that. But as a professional driver, which I would say I am, you don't need. You can drive in any situation. Which on that road, and a phone is is a, is a major major distraction. You should. You've got. I've got your phone. I've got. I've got your answer. That you don't need. Think in the journey ahead. Think of the poor families who's grieving for ones who's lying in cemeteries because somebody wants to be on their phone. Doing I think it's a Polish driver doing an England white coat five of them on a phone. You can name and shame them all, Ali. You've got to be tough. Start with a three month ban. For a start and see the second time, it's, I would give them the jail, Ali. I would lock them up for a second offence. That'll be a deterrent to them. And even, I'd even throw in a measure, a harsh measure. I don't even care if it's a metro or a Porsche. I would crush their car. That's what I would do with them, Ali. Well, That'd be tough. Put me, in charge of the, put me in charge of the law to deal with these phone and the folk, and I'll tell you what, I'll cut that in half, and these cemeteries will not be filling up. So what about other distractions in the car, like smoking and, and eating while you're driving? Are these not distractions as well? Well, I'll go way back to my father. He'd arrested, uh, in Austin, Cambridge, Ali. There was, there was nine of us on that one car. And my father drove no bother all round that guy. All round it. There was no seatbelt laws. or the children, you think I was in the back of that car, in the front of that, all, crammed, all singing and dancing, I carry on. There was no accidents, Ali. What's that, got, what's that got to do with it? It's the standard, I would say it's the standard of driving, Ali. The standard of driving now is shocking as it was. Years ago, folk could drive. They could plan ahead. The division, the news, I like, it's like John the taxi driver. I would say he's a very professional driver. He'll know that you can drive in any situation to the modern car driver. Go along the road, sit behind somebody. They don't even indicate, Ali. They just hit the brakes and stop. Folk can't drive nowadays. That's maybe another topic for your phone and folk cannot drive in this day and age I've even seen them go round the boots the wrong way Ali I've just I've just, I've just I'm just looking at uh, text that's come in here and it just goes back to what you said there you're talking about all the children being in a car and this text says Ali children are a major disruption does he want them banned as well children are no I'll tell you something Ali Children have no eyes that bad in cars. You can hear them wee colouring books, you can hear them wee papers. You can, if you're sitting there with a wife, you can tell them wee stories. Read out a book, Ali. That, that's just bad behaved children that's in these cars. I, it, was, it was nine of us, and we didn't. We were never distracted with your father or anything else. That's a lot of nonsense, that, Ali. Okay, Stephen. Yeah, he's gone. Thank you very much indeed for that. So that's Stephen's thoughts. Would you support a total ban on drivers using mobile phones? He's saying yes. 
What do you say? 033-2020-401 or you can text 61054. Start your message with Ali. And also the other question that we're still getting uh, uh, more response to, and which is great. Do you want Jeremy Corbyn as your emergency prime minister? Get in touch. Let me know. Uh, Alan, good morning to you. Good morning, Ali. Good morning. So, your thoughts uh, had, then today? I had two points I want to make, but first they're based on a premise. And that is, I remember reading evidence years ago of research that was done that says driving a car is one of the most uh, advanced things we can do as human beings. We need all our attention on the road, the traffic conditions, the car state, etc., etc. So let's take that as read. We need to put all our attention there. So first point is, the current law on careless driving and reckless driving, I'm not an expert, but I would have thought no matter what the reason, if you cause an accident or are involved in an accident or are going to, or are driving waywardly, then those laws apply no matter what has caused the reason for your bad driving. Secondly, let's not get stuck with mobile phones. What about these new modern cars in the last few years, infotainment systems, sat-navs, so a driver's driving along, he's looking at his screen. What song will I play next? He's looking at his sat-nav. Sat-navs, there's no need for that because they can speak to you so you don't have to look. The infotainment systems make the car manufacturers, make them point the screen, point towards the passenger so the, the driver cannot use them. He has to use them when he's stopped. You know. So let's not just stick on mobile phones, but mm. all these modern electronic devices that are built into cars these days. I think that um, I, I can speak with um, my motoring journalist hat on in that I do drive a lot of different cars. Um, and I'm, I'm agreeing here with you, Alan, because some of them, some of the systems uh, that you're, you're trying to operate as you're driving particularly, you know, taking your eyes off the screen and uh, off the road and hitting, trying to hit screens or trying to change radio stations. Some of them uh, can be terribly easy, but others can be quite difficult to operate while you're driving. They, yeah. they are, I, I, I'm agreeing with you on that. I, I don't think there should yeah. be a total ban on uh, mobile phones in the cars, but um, certainly uh, our last caller, Stephen, they're making the point about texting when you're driving as well. That, that's, there are a lot of dangers there. But, uh, Alan, thank you very much indeed for that. Uh, Willie, good morning. Good morning, Ali. Ali, um, people using phones in the car, there are laws now to deal with this. Yet, day in and day out, I drive around and see people using their phone in the car. And very seldom, comparatively, do I see cases in the paper of people being charged with using phone in the car. There, there are laws that cover all the, all the dangerous driving. There are people <clears throat> driving cars who should not be behind the wheel. They, they just point blank refuse to abide by the rules of the road and the, the laws of the country. They drive to suit themselves, and these are the people that cause the problems. I think the reason that you don't see people in uh, newspapers being charged up in court for uh, using mobile phones is is a fixed penalty normally um, issued by the the policeman in the car if he spots you driving. So it, it doesn't go to court. So that's probably why you don't see, uh, as you're saying, you know, any evidence of it. I, I, I do think the, the police are out there doing it. But, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm like you. I, I, I see people driving um, quite often uh, using phones and, and it is a dangerous thing to do. So do you think it's... Are you, are you then saying you would ban mobile phones totally in the cars? Yes. I, I personally turn put my phone deep into my pocket and nothing would induce me to try and get it out while I'm driving. The phone doesn't exist as far as I'm concerned while I'm driving. I play music in my car and if, if I need, very seldom do I have to change, but if I need to change the music, I'll pull in or I'll wait until I'm uh, scheduled to stop. 
Okay. Your, your, your concentration has to be on the road. I've been, oh, years ago, I was a victim of a lorry driver who, on a clear Friday night outside Stirling, we were the only two vehicles on that stretch of road. I went to overtake him, and he swerved into me because he was on the phone. I then hit the centre barrier to try and uh, avoid the collision, and he drove off. Uh, thankfully, the police had video of it. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't have enough to to, to charge, him charge the individual, but at least uh, the, the video the, the police had allowed my insurance company to believe what I told them about it. And well, I'm going to have to stop you there only because I'm chasing up to the top of the, the news there. Uh, thank you very much indeed for your call. Scotland's Talking, the podcast. Uh, a couple of comments before we go on to another subject, but keep your comments coming in about uh, mobile phones. Regarding the mobile phones, says Sylvia, I feel safe when I have my phone if I'm on my own, especially if I need to dial 999. So if I stop the car and phone 99, is this legal? Yes, that's okay. Um, Ali, why not solve all the problems and go back to using horses and carts? Not only will we solve the phone problems, but we'll save the environment. I'm going to start on about that again. Um, so th- those are some of the comments that are coming in. Oh, here's one here from Tony. Tony says, um, what about when you watch the police shows, you know, on television, the police cars and things? They're always reaching for the radios on the left-hand shoulder. How does that work then? There's a lot of things the police do in cars that are a distraction that I've always wondered about. So it's one law for one and one law for another. There you are. Okay, so keep those calls coming and asking two questions today. Do you think mobile phones should be completely banned? And if you have just joined us and missed the first hour, um, where have you been? Not good enough. Uh, the question I'm asking was, do you think that Jeremy Corbyn uh, should be installed as the emergency prime minister? And so far, I have to say, uh, the answer is no. Uh, from our callers today, um, by a big majority as well. Uh, so, good on you. Thank you. Um, if you agree or disagree, give us a call. O treble three twenty twenty four zero one. We hope Boris trades with Australia, America, New Zealand, and Canada instead of Europe, says David and Angela. Right. Your comment is noted. Thank you. A couple of weeks ago, on my website, um, I was getting emails telling me that someone had hacked into me. Now, it wasn't just one email. It was two or three. You know, so, you you know, whilst I, I tend to just go delete most of the time, it was starting to get to me because this person sending quite threatening emails saying that they had uh, watched me doing various things, which I hadn't. Still got me thinking. Um, And if I didn't do some things like pay him some money or pay um, whatever, then they would release this and everybody would know what I was being doing. Now, one half of me thought to myself, the mischievous side thought, go on then. That would be great publicity, knowing that I hadn't done anything like this at all. But the other half did start me getting wondered. And I actually sought some advice as to what was happening here. And then you find that more and more people have the same issues and don't know quite what to do. So, thought this morning would have cyber surgery. I've got two leading experts join me in the studio um, to answer any questions that you've got at all uh, regarding ID theft, scams, how to protect yourself against computer viruses or whatever. I have Professor Karen Reynolds and Dr Natalie Cole from Abertay University. Good morning to both of you. How are you this morning? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Right. You ready for this then? We are. Do you yes. get asked this all the time when people find out what you do? Do you, oh, good, we can ask them. This. Indeed. We yeah. do a lot, a lot of questions, yes. But we're, that's what we're here for today, so we're ready right. for it. Yes, happy to help. How do you then approach someone who, like me, who's getting these scams? Where are they coming from and how do they get into you if they are into you? So I think that particular scam that you described there, did they also include a password of yours? 
in one of your them email. did. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So what's happened there? So they'll send you an email that you know appears to be quite authentic, saying you know we know what you've been doing online. We know that you've been doing bad things online. That's right. We the pornography I've been looking oh, at has yes. been absolutely yep. astonishing. <laughs> you know, I'll then trying to get in and have a look. And they say they can prove it because yes. they know what your password is, and usually they will include actually one of your genuine passwords in that email. But what's actually happened is that that password has probably been compromised from another website and it will have been posted up in forums that the hackers share. So they've just taken that password, taken your email address and decided to try and use it to blackmail you into giving money. So it's very easy for people to find out if they've been, uh, if their password has been compromised. So there's a, a website, um, HTTPS, haveibeenpwned.com, so people can search for that online. Have I been? Have I been pwned? P-W-N-E-D. Okay. So right. haveibeenpwned.com, you can go on there, type in your email address, um, and it'll come up and tell you um, which websites that you've used have actually been compromised. So if you see that one of your passwords is there and it's a password that you use, then you must go and change your password immediately for yes. those accounts. But the other thing to remember is that they actually don't have anything on you. So not to be afraid. Mm. Yeah. So the action to take is to check your password, but also do not ever pay them anything. They're no. just They're just the regular con artists. Yeah, yeah. And so they're not, you should not be afraid of what you've seen. I've known people that have actually almost there saying, I better pay this, you know, because, you uh -huh. know, and, and, and I'm afraid, I'm maybe because I'm a bit long in the tooth or I'm a fifer and I'm miserable, but I've, <laughs> I, I, I'm not giving anybody money for something that I don't see back. And, and so it's, but I can understand people yes. getting. People up, do get yeah, afraid yeah. and it's totally understandable, but, but don't do it. The same as you wouldn't fall for another kind of scam. This is just an online scam. Right. They're using a new, a new place to take people mm -hmm. uh, to the cleaners. So you, is it just a case then that you should be just hitting the, the delete button? You, you can hit the delete button. Uh, you can also report it. So depending on um, what kind of software you're using to read your email, you can also report it as junk or spam which will help to increase the filtering software so that in the future your email provider will hopefully do a better job of filtering out these emails. If um, it is a particularly threatening email, you can report it to the police. So again, there's an online website to do that, the Action Fraud website, and you can use that to report phishing emails. If uh, you have actually paid money, um, you, you can report that on that website as well and you can get a, a, a crime number. But you're there. unlikely ever to see your money again. Mm. Yeah. That, that is a problem, isn't mm. it? So, yeah. Yes. Abertay University seem to have um, the experts and the expertise on this in, in not only Scotland but in the UK. Uh, why is that? Why have, I mean, I, I, I must admit, I, I was rather a bit few years ago now when I heard someone saying to me they were going to Abertay University. I said, all right, where are you going to study? Ethical hacking. Yes. And I thought, right, it's ethical, is it? Yeah. So why did do you think Abertay has become a specialist in this? We were the first people to teach an ethical hacking degree. So we've been way ahead of the pack yeah. for ages, yes. But Natalie's the head of the division, so I'll let her answer that question. Well, it was, it was our colleague, um, Colin McLean, who um, came up with the idea of having the ethical hacking programme out of a, a project that he was working on with NCR. Right. Um, so this is going way back to, I think, 2005 when he was working with them, uh, looking at vulnerabilities, um, and thought, actually, this is, this is a, a skill that we need to develop in graduates. We need to get people out into the, the workplace that can help to improve security. So from when the degree first started, we would always get asked the question about, well, how can hacking be ethical? Mm -hmm. um, you know, and we would just say, well, it's, a, it's actually, it's a term that was coined by IBM. It's a, a well-recognised industry term. But it actually just means legal hacking. It's do you have permission to test the security of this particular system? But it's doing it with the mindset of the bad guys. So how do the bad guys try and break in? Um, and that's what we get our students to do, but obviously on the, the right side of the law. Right, right. Happy birthday to your university, by the way. It's today, is yes, it? Yes, uh, 25 years. Yes, 25, 25 years. years. Yes. Yeah. Amazing. I remember it as the Dundee College of Technology. Institute of Technology. Institute of Technology. Long time ago now. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yes. Just 
But before yeah. Rarity. Oh. <laughs> yes. Right, thanks for making me feel old. <laughs> I remember it well. Right, okay, we've um, got a, a couple of uh, comments coming in and uh, one of them here from David. David says, um, I'm in my 60s and I feel I'm being left behind. Am I alone? I would think not. Is, is there a certain age group that tends to um, have a little bit of a fear on on the the web and and what they're doing emails wise. I think it is a lot harder for the older generation who didn't have the, the, the younger people have computers. They're all using it all day. They grow up. We call them digital natives. Um, the older folks maybe didn't use computers at work, and they are thus more vulnerable because they don't have the awareness of how they can be compromised, and they do get a bit afraid when they get the kind of email you got. Um, so we're we're doing we're content, we're doing some research in trying to find ways to make older people more resilient um, and help them to give them the skills that they need to become more uh, aware of the scams and so that they can resist them. Are older people do do, do they throw up? And I say older people, and I'm including myself in this one as well, because um, do they throw up a bit of a barrier when they hear of technical things that they you know, maybe think to themselves, oh, I can't do that. Yeah. I've not really seen that. No, uh, just not, me not as, as an artifact <laughs> of an older person. I haven't seen that. I think as long as people explain it properly, um, it is something new for them. So you've got to give them a bit of time to get used to it. But I think they can get great benefit mm. from it. I mean, my parents are not in this country. I was mm. able to Skype them regularly. That was a big advantage for me. Well, mm-hmm. how would we have done that before we had the technology and stay in touch by email? So they are great benefits. But like anywhere, there are also people who will try to exploit that and we have to help the older folks to, to manage that. Mm. I, th- I think that um, the... You're right. The technology, when it's used properly, is fantastic, isn't it? It really is. The communication that we can have with people through Skype or, as you mentioned there, or, or emails or whatever, it really is fantastic. And anybody who's missing out on it, it's a bit of a shame, really, because they could um, get just to see what's going on in the world. Yeah. It's just amazing. Yes. And especially for folks who are perhaps homebound, the housebound are not able to get out. It, it allows them to have a window to the world. Right. So we don't want people to be af- so afraid that they don't use it, right? We have to rather help them to use it safe securely. And are there courses to do that? We're more research-wise, mm-hmm. yes. We're, we're, I'm currently applying for a grant so that I can specifically go out to people in Dundee and, and find out how better to support them. Um, and right at the end of this, I'm, I'm going to be giving folks my email address and so to get in touch with me if they would like to be involved in this research. Fantastic. Right. OK. Well, remember and do that at the end then. OK. I'm going to take a quick break and come back with some more of your comments and queries. Here's the way to get in touch. The phone number is 0333 202401. You can text 61054. Start your message with Ali. That's the text. And we're on emails, ali at thegreatesthits.co.uk. If you have any queries regarding ID theft, scams, or how to protect yourself against computer viruses, then call into our two experts here, and we'll be back right after these. You're listening to Scotland's Talkin', the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talkin'. At the moment, the cyber surgery is open and looking for you. If you've got any questions or any uh, thoughts you'd like to put regarding ID theft scams or how to protect yourself against computer viruses, then that information is available to you now. Your questions could be answered. Uh, Professor Karen Ronald is with us and Dr. Natalie Coe from Aberdeen University, both in the studio here with me and ready to take any questions that you may have. Uh, I've got a few coming through on social media. Thanks for that. We'll get to them in a moment. Uh, first of all, let's go on the phone lines and say good morning to Ian. Ian, how are you? Good morning, Ali. Good morning. You're through. How are we doing? Okay. Are we okay? Uh, I'd like to put a question to the girls, please. Right. Okay. Uh, I was, I wouldn't say I was subject to a scan, but the, uh, a scan, a scam. Uh, I wouldn't say I was even cut out, but I got a bit very, very curious. And these, uh, this, it was a, okay, it was an Australian girl that was on the phone and very, very well presentable, very well versed. And they, uh, well, nearly misleading, I'll say. 
and what she wanted me to do was to uh, was to go to the bank and draw out some money, quite a substantial amount, I've got to admit. Uh, and, and I was to do this, and I wasn't to tell the bank anything about this, uh, and they were saying that they were from the tax authorities. Okay, right, okay. And then I was to go to my nearest supermarket and put the money into this account. Well, I was very, very suspicious, and what I did, I went to the citizen's advice, and he says, it's a total scam, there's been quite a few people about this. So they suggested I went to the police. So I had a phone number and they wrote the police and the police took all the details and I says, well, Mr. Policeman, what's your thoughts on the fact that they, uh, we, we, we sit by a phone, I phoned them up uh, and then by this time, of course, you could follow or trace where the phone call was actually coming from and catch the culprits red-handed. They didn't actually do this, but they took the information anyway. But what don't you think it's an offence to, uh, to buy and sell people's information. Now, mm. it could be a, a, a building society, it could be banks, it could be loads of different companies. I think when you put your uh, you put your information down, you give them your name and address, and obviously you get all this rubbish coming through the letterbox and one thing or another, which is just, just goes in the middle straight away. But they also ask for emails and phone numbers and this, that, and the other. Well, you're just opening the door. You're just opening the door to... To really, what these kind of people are, are looking for is your personal information. So is the name and address as well, by the way. Right, but I just think that the, what, 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 you're to be... what you're talking about, though, Ian, is something coming through on the phones. Uh, we, we're looking at what's happening on, um, on cyberspace, so to speak. Did it actually go into that? Did you get any emails or anything from them? Uh, I have not got access to anything like that, which I'm quite pleased that I've not. I don't even have a mobile phone, Ali, what you were talking about previously. <laughs> uh, and I, th- I think... And this do, you th- do, you think think this- do you think that in Pennycook, where you live, you'll get electric light someday? <laughs> well, the wee hamsters still go around in that, day, uh, <laughs> would, yeah. that thing in its cage. <laughs> let's, let's, in your words, bring the girls in. Just as well, this is radio, eh, ladies? Um, so, uh, you can see he's been, he, he was definitely being scammed. It's yet another scam, isn't it? There's, there's certainly very um, similar patterns there to what we see in the phishing emails in terms of, you know, it, it seems to be reasonably authentic. There's a, a sense of urgency and there's also, you know, don't tell, don't tell your bank that we're mm-hmm. asking you for that information. So we see these kind of patterns in phishing emails as well that we're asking people to, to look out for. Um, if they're asking you to do something urgently um, and they're asking you to go and either, you know, withdraw money or transfer money elsewhere or go and visit a website and type in your username and password... Um, be very, very suspicious. So it sounds like you did the right thing, Ian, with going to citizens' advice um, and also going to the police. So these are all kind of just you know mm-hmm. good practices that we would recommend as well if you're getting pressure from somebody to um, give them money or they're you know claiming to be from you know, the tax office, for example. Just be extremely careful. But in terms of um, well, Ian makes a very good point about giving your data to companies and then somehow some scammer gets hold of it. That's why. The, we got the GDPR regulation last year. And so these companies that are selling our data are going to be pulled short. So this will get better. It will improve. I don't know when this happened to Ian, maybe before GDPR came in. But the companies are now being fined if they give your give your data away or if they sell it. So I totally agree with him that they should be required to keep it safe and secure. And already some of the, the fines have been fairly substantial. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. B- BT, BA, British Airways, right, got yes, a right, millions yeah. of pounds fined, yes. And this will wake everyone up to the fact that they will get fined if they do that kind of thing with your personal data. I think to, to many people in business, the um, the legislation that was brought in and you had to tighten up everything, mm-hmm. even, even in here, after tighten up what we do with names, addresses yes. and things. That's that's understandable. But to many at the time, it, it seemed a bit of a pain. But when you actually look into it and, and where that information is going and bis, being misused, mm-hmm. you can see why the legislation was required. Yes. So where do we go from here then as far as protecting ourselves and protecting the names and addresses that we do give out? And and I, I'm equally guilty of this. I look in some cases where they ask you for your name, your address, if you're buying something online, credit cards. I'm, I'm always a bit hesitant on that. I'm a right to be hesitant. 
You are kind. Yes, you 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 have to be wary. The world, the the online world, is populated by very many unscrupulous people. Um, but Ian did exactly the right thing. You go to the, the the citizens' advice bureau or to your bank and get advice from them because they are very willing to help out. Um, so just be a little bit wary. You have to give your details if you're ordering something online. And a lot of government services are going online now. Mm. So we don't really have the option. We nope. have to provide nope. that online. The thing to do, just an easy thing to check, is to make sure if you look in the address bar at the top of the window, it, and it should say HTTPS and have a little lock. If it doesn't have that, never provide anything personal. That is a really easy thing to check. Then you know that at least only the company you're giving it to is going to get hold of it. Right. Right. And then that company is bound by GDPR to keep your data completely secure. Right. So that's how you can just – that's one G- thing you can do. Give us that again, just that one thing, but just so in case somebody's right just top, like my, my ears. Okay. So right at the top of the screen on your browser window, you'll see an address – now, you should see a little lock next to it. If the little lock is there, then that means that nobody else except that company will get hold of the data you're providing. And that's really universal these days. So if you see something where the lock is not there and it doesn't say HTTPS, don't ever provide anything on that website. Good tip. It's also worthwhile uh, bearing in mind as well that when you are entering details online or um, registering a new account with a website, that they will usually now, because of GDPR, ask you at the bottom for permission to either sell your data onto third parties or, you know, contact you again. Make sure you untick those boxes yes. or, you know, right. don't don't give don't them say yes. permission. Yes. Right, okay. But the, the what we're talking about there with Ian, where he gets that phone call, yeah. um, are people really... Do they get taken in that much that they are they actually do. going? Yeah. And a lot of those phone calls, they actually ask the person to install some software on their machine. If you install that software, they're going to use that to get money out of you to take that software off again. So when you get a phone call, you should always be very suspicious if they're asking you to take action online or if they're asking you for money. Your bank would not do that. No. Go to the bank and get advice. Right. You know, physically, go to the physical bank because... If they give you a telephone number to phone, I wouldn't trust that number either. Always look on the back of your bank card and use that phone number because you know that one is right. And it's, it's like tax people. I mean, I, I've had, um, I actually sent one to the tax office where I'd got this email in, um, which had all the tax office um, headings and as if it was a tax office yeah. headed notepaper, etc., yes. and saying that I was due this refund. Oh, yes. um, you know, that usual one. That, and I, I, again, I always think nobody just wants to give me money. There must be a reason here. Um, and so I was suspicious of it and forwarded it to them because we had someone in doing something yes. like you were doing from the tax office and saying, no, this is definitely not us. But it's very difficult to actually, you know, to just look at this. It looked as though yes. it was coming from the tax but, office. But you did the right thing. So that the previous one you mentioned at the beginning was about making people afraid. This is about exploiting people's greed. So whenever they're trying to get an, an emotional response out of you, just put your radar on your head and be careful. If you have been caught out in any way like this, um, then please tell us your story. I'd like to, to hear from you. It's treble three twenty twenty four zero one or text 61054. Start your message with Ali. We'd like to, to hear. As I say, we've got uh, Natalie and Karen in here. So uh, if you've got a question that you would like answered, then we would like to hear from you um, because it's it's an opportunity here. It just, as I say, comes on the back of, I know quite a few people that are, are talking about getting these um, phishing emails. Is that what you, you call it, Natalie? Yeah, right. Okay, so they're getting these these female, uh, these female um, uh, emails in and, and wondering what to do about it. What's the most common mistake that people who are getting caught out What's the most common mistake they're doing? Um, probably clicking on a link in the email. So or opening it, the attachment. Mm. Yeah. So if if uh, email comes in and it's asking you to open an attachment, then it's possible that there could be malicious code embedded in that attachment and that by simply opening it on your um, your laptop or your PC that you've then been infected by a virus that might then be able to... Um, record the the keys that you type at the keyboard so it could then be used to steal your username and password for your Mm -hmm. bank account, for example. But a lot of the time there's a link and when you go, if you click on it, it looks like a website you recognise. They're very good at replicating the website completely. 
And then it says, okay, you need to log in. And then folks will enter the username and password. But it's not the real website. And then they take that to go to the real website and somehow do something under your name. So those are the two things that are really dangerous. Links. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm just going back to what you're saying there about emails coming in with attachments. And, and I've had loads of them as well. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I'm... Because I get so many emails in a day, I tend to go very quickly, delete, and if it's not something that interests me, um, but I'm sure I will have gone in and opened an attachment at one point, so I could be putting myself at risk. Yeah, so Absolutely. I think that's why it's really important to make sure that you know you do have things like antivirus installed on your device yes. and that you, you, you keep them up to date. Mm. Now, they won't be absolutely you know, 100% secure. They can't defend against everything, um, but they'll certainly help to defend against the majority of viruses or malware as we mm-hmm. call it out there yeah excellent we've got to stop for another quick break back in a moment scotland's talking the podcast kieran's watching what's happening on uh the old social media uh so what do you got you got one for us yeah this one comes from irene she's just asking if she can be hacked just by opening an email never mind just clicking on the link okay naturally so simply opening, opening an email shouldn't then lead to any kind of infection on your PC. It's really either clicking on a link that's in the email or clicking on an, inf- uh, an attachment that will then lead to further problems. Yes, uh, the, there is a way for them to know that you've actually opened the email, um, but parent, that's not really going to compromise your computer or anything. They're just going to know that you opened it, which tells them it's a live email address. But you won't know what's in the email until you open it, so that's mm. just something you can't really help. Yeah, yeah. It's, it depends on your curiosity or whether you can stop yourself from having you look at what the <coughs> what that attachment yes. is. Yeah. What about passwords? Um, how secure can they be, and and how do you know that they're secure? So, as as folks get a bit older, um, and I'm one of them myself. Uh, you, the, your memory is not as sharp as it used to be when you were 21. And it's really, really hard for people to remember all these wonderfully wrong, strong, strong passwords that we're meant to have. And so our advice is that folks use a password manager. So you can go to on your phone and you can go to the App Store and find a range of free password managers. And this manager will then store all your passwords for you. A lot of them will actually generate a really good password and store that for you, and you will never have a problem to remember a password again. And this is really a, an amazing tool that a lot of people are not aware of. Uh, you know, I think folks should investigate that and use it. it. Once you adopt one, you don't ever go back to not using one. You rem- have to remember one really strong password. And a lot of people have said to me, well, what about if I forget that one wrong, long, strong password? And then I tell them, write it down and secure it the way you secure other things in your home. Put it in a safe, put it somewhere so that you're not going to lose it. And that's fine as long as you're locking it away in a, in a drawer or something. And at least then you are able to have these good, strong passwords and a different password for each website. What the hackers rely on is that because we can't remember passwords, we use the same password in multiple places. And then if one website gets compromised and that password is leaked, then they will go to all the other places that you have an account and use that same password just in case you've used it. And that's what happens to people. If if password gets compromised, the hackers then get into multiple accounts and do a great deal of damage. The password manager refuses, you know, removes the need for anybody to to behave that way anymore. And we all do it because oh, yeah, the human yeah. brain is not designed to remember hundreds of good strong passwords. And so we can use a tool. We use tools for everything else to help us. And so that's just a very handy tool for folks to use. Right. So do you use a password manager, Natalie? I do. Absolutely. I've got one on my phone and one on my laptop as yeah. well that I use. Um, but when we, I just thought it would be important to come back and think about you know, what makes a good password. So if we're asking people mm. to use a password manager and then have one good, strong password that they use to get access to that password manager, um, it's, it's important that a password is something that is easy to remember but difficult for somebody else to guess. Um, and we like to encourage people to think about uh, past sentences rather than it being an actual you know, single word that they're using. Um, so you can come up with you know, kind of silly phrases that are very easy for you to remember and easy to type. So it could be you know, something like, you know, the number 22 bus is always late with an exclamation mark at the end. And that way you've managed to get uppercase and lowercase 
in there you've got a mixture of letters and numbers as well with the number 22 bus. So try and think of, you know, rather than a password, yes. having a single yeah. word in it, having multiple words in there. And it's much easier to remember and will then give you a much stronger password that if your password code or your password hash, as we call it, is then compromised, it will be virtually impossible for the uh, malicious hackers to actually crack your password yeah. code to then figure out what Just your the, password actually is. They have lists of commonly used passwords that they use to try to guess your password. And if you've come up with that kind of silly sentence, they're not going to have that. No. But there's another thing. Humans have a memory bubble right from about age 12 to mid-20s. And the things that you remember from them don't go away. So I personally use telephone numbers that I knew from back then, a telephone number I had when I was 12 years old. And that's not on any database anywhere. And so I can never forget that because it's there. And sometimes I use an address I lived at when I was a child. So those things are not in the current databases and you're not going to forget them. So these are really good passwords to use. Absolutely, yeah. Um, one in here that says, uh, do you recommend antivirus with Apple device? That's from Ian. Oh, yeah. Yep, absolutely. All devices should have, even your phones, right. should always have antivirus. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, there's nothing more on it. That's the only question. I just wondered why he was asking that because antivirus is... They, they you, certainly, they, Apple do yeah. a very good job of checking uh, the code of all of the apps. So before an app is allowed to be uploaded to the Apple Store, they do a really, really thorough check to make sure that it's legitimate code and it's coming from a, um, an mm -hmm. authentic and a genuine company. Uh, there are similar checks as well in the Android Store. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, where possible, make sure that you do but have antivirus But there used to be place. a perception that Apple devices couldn't get hacked. Um, and that might have been true 10 years ago. But as more people buy Apple devices, there's more incentive for the hackers to to try and find compromises for Apple devices as well, right? Okay. So it's always good to have that little bit of protection. Just to go back, as, as we are running out of time now, just to go back to um, what you were talking about there about um, a, a password manager, how do you find one? Just repeat that. How on the App Store, on your phone. Gen generally, people have this on their phones, but you get there are some of them that will be the same one on your PC and on your phone, and they will you know, they will synchronize. But generally, you have to pay a little bit of money for those. But there are a lot of free ones out there. I would go for the ones, the ones that have the most ratings, because you don't want some cowboy password manager knowing all your passwords. Go for the good ones that that you find recommended by many, many people. Right. Now, you were talking about um, uh, 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 something you're trying to get some funding for. Yes. Um, and, and we'll be there for, if the funding comes through, looking for some help from uh, some of our listeners. So tell, tell us a wee bit more. Yeah, so, so I'm, I'm working with a researcher at the University of York, and we're going to be applying for some money to really understand how, how we can better support senior cyber users. Um, and so I would be very pleased to hear from folks if they would like to be part of my user panel. Uh, and what I mean by that is that I would go to them and say, we have an idea for a, a way we can support you or a user product. Would you give us your opinion on that? And, you know, bring them to the university and basically just get them to talk to us about their experiences and that sort of thing. And I'd be very pleased if folks wanted to get in touch with me. Is it okay to give my email address? Yes, of course. So my email address is k dot Reno, which is R-E-N-A-U-D, at abertay.ac.uk. But Ali told me that he would very kindly also put this on his uh, page as yep, well, yep, we'll in case you didn't catch that email address. What type of, what, who's the ideal person for you then, Karen? Um, Anyone over 60. Right, okay. Um, who, who, who wants to use technology, put it yes, that way, yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and be shown new technology as well. Absolutely. Like, yeah, and how they cope with it is uh -huh. what you're trying to get to. Great. Okay. Um, so if you would like to do that, then, uh, as I say, go on, give us that email address again. I'll write it down this time. So it's k.reno, which uh -huh. is R-E-N-A-U-D, at abertay.ac.uk. And I also wanted to mention we're, that Natalie and I are going to be putting up a web page with some advice specifically based on what we've heard, uh, the questions we've had today. And that will be available by next weekend. And I don't know whether you would uh, like me to mention that URL yeah. as well. Yeah. So it's www.karenreno.com slash advice.html. 
Fantastic. Uh, Natalie, last thoughts from you? Um, what, one thing that I thought might come up my hasn't was really just about how people can protect children online. I know that um, you know more and more young people are now um, have their own mobile phone and it can be very difficult for parents to keep track of what they're doing and they can be quite worried about that. And I think it's just really, really important that we have conversations with our children about what they're doing online and how they can stay safe and protect themselves. Um, there's some really good resources out there that Karen and I will put up on her page yeah. that come from the um, Children's Commissioner's Office, right. which is uh, kind of child-friendly uh, advice and guidelines on how to use social media. So there's particular ones for Snapchat, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and it would be a really, really good resource for parents to sit down with their children and actually talk about how they can use these um, apps and really how just to kind of behave online and how to kind of watch out for uh, predators or uh, kind right. of cyberbullying and that sort be of thing. Be safe. Yeah, absolutely. Indeed. Um, just one that's come in in the last few seconds there, I'll just uh, get a quick comment from you in here. Is Chromebook a good idea as they market it as not needing any protection? as works from cloud? Uh, I think it would still be worthwhile having antivirus but on there. The device itself, I can see, would be a lot more secure, but they could still get at you personally mm-hmm. using mm-hmm. email. Right. Yeah, it's not going to be able to filter out uh, yeah. you know, phishing so emails. That, they things. always go... Um, there's a man called Kevin Mitnick who says that that oh no sorry Schneier Bruce Schneier he says that uh, the the amateur attacks the device and the expert attacks the human right because it's hot, much harder to secure the human right and so with the Chromebook they'll just go for the human. Well, thank you very much indeed. We have run out of time and uh, thank you for your uh, queries on social media. Well, it's been a busy program today with. Uh, Calls and social media, various things all happening here. It's, it's uh, lots of uh, comments on the mobile phones coming in as well, uh, which surprised me more than I, I thought would have. And the majority are saying, uh, well, no, no, I'm just thinking, it, looking at it as 50-50 as to where the question we were asking uh, was, of course, uh, should mobile phones be banned totally in cars? And uh, it's 50-50 at the moment, which is um, quite surprising. Uh, but... Uh, the message is surely uh, the one that was coming out on a, on a few of the calls here is that too many people are noticing others texting while they are driving. So please don't text when you're driving. That is a danger. Also, uh, we're asking, do you want Jeremy Corbyn as your emergency prime minister? I have to say that the majority, uh, by a big majority, are saying no in your comments today as well. So that's just your thoughts. Uh, you may have different ones. Uh, we'll continue, of course, with Scotland's Talking next Sunday from just after 10 o'clock.